G'day! Welcome to On Minis Games. G'day and welcome to On Minis Games. My name's Charles Pritchard. And I'm Quinton Sung. And we're doing another hobby update this episode. Last time we covered our back catalogue, which had extended out probably about six months, and we're here to cover off the rest. Just a little bit. We've had a little bit of a, a hiatus, but we're getting in there. We're, we're, we're getting the recording done and we're catching up slowly. <laughs> so this is our second hobby update and this will, should bring us pretty well up to date. And then our next episode, we're going to get into talking about some, uh, we're doing more of a sort of review focus on a couple of games that we're uh, especially enjoying at the moment. A little bit excited about. So we'll get this one out of the way, I think. And then, and then we can do something that we're actually currently playing, <laughs> which will be a bit different. Something, just something for a change. Well, so at least we're still playing. So we, we are. So um, I think last time we sort of broke this up into what are we playing and what are we modelling and what are we painting and blah blah blah. We're just sort of this episode. We've just sort of thrown everything into a big list of of you know the things I've been doing and the things you've been doing. We have. Um, so why don't we just go through yeah. those lists and cover off everything um, in regards to that. So the first thing I've got on the docket, of course, is, is the big thing that we mentioned at the end of last episode that we were going to be doing, which was a Mordheim league at our local club. Um, this was played, was it probably over two, three months? I think so, yeah. I think we ended up with about uh, six or seven sessions in the club. It sort of just petered out a bit. I think interest was lost. I think, well, we can talk about maybe some of the whys and wherefores in regards to that, but yeah. let, let's focus on... So Mordheim... Is um, it was a game published by Games Workshop in the mid to late nineties. Yeah, um, it was a sort of a you know you have your gang of eight to fifteen guys, girls. It's a fantasy um, themed game. You're, you're playing in the old world in Games Workshops. You know the um, Warhammer universe, and you're you're basically fighting through these various scenarios. The game rules are pretty simple. I think they it's fair to say, but it. it is a game, you know, what, what's probably most interesting about Mordheim is the game that happens after the game. I think so. I think, I think it seems to be a theme of what we're doing at the moment is that ongoing attachment to a warband, an army, a gang. Um, and I think that's why Mordheim came about. Um, the idea that you keep the same fighters from battle to battle and you get attached to them and then you, after your battle is finding out what happens to you guys who get wounded or mm. how much money you're going to make. Do they go mad? Are they stupid? Do you have to roll to Which happened quite regular in the ca- yeah, yeah, particularly for one of the players, Joel, who's yes. the half his guys ended up stupid. stupid. Who, they were, including his, his leader. That was hilarious. So it, it, it is. It's a story-laden game it because is. the game after the game is the campaign system where, as you said, you roll to see what happens to those people who are injured. You roll to see if people improve skills, gain um, increases to their attributes, uh, and so, uh, the more you play, the more your warband, the more your warband grows, the more it sort does. of characterful it becomes. Uh, you can buy things, you can sell things. There's a whole game economy around that as well. There is. Um, and then the various equipment that you gain and buy and so forth uh, gives again more bonuses and so on. Um, so it's this really quite in-depth campaign system. It does. It, and it's just a it's a wonderful campaign system. It's one of the not to, it's it's probably one of the better rule sets that Games Workshop ever ever released. I think. Yeah, um, I thought quite... Necromunda and Mordheim probably yeah. Warhammer Quest in there as well as some of the finest games ever released by um, uh, Games Workshop. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the, one, it's taken into account the rich. They have such a really good universe to draw on, mm. and the idea that they they drew from, and the fact that it you keep you know in in Necromunda and Mordheim you keep a gang or a warband in Warhammer Quest you keep your, your character yeah, onwards. Yeah. Um, and you develop and grow that story, you become attached to them. You were saying that one of the things about the the, the after game is that your game grows, and the actual in the game decisions become really important. How long do you stay around? Where yeah. do you go? When should you be leaving this fight? What's worth it? Oh, I don't want to leave him behind. You yeah. know, he's only just got his ballistic skill up, yep. and he's got this new bow or new equipment. Do I no. risk him? Is he going to die? Oh, he did such a good job for me last time taking down that bot. I can't leave him behind. 
And then there's the ruthless people who just go, meh, kill him. <laughs> <laughs> you have served your purpose well. But yeah, it is such a story-laden game. It is. It's a It's a wonderful experience. So we played a league at the club. Yep. Um, you know, and the idea was you'd play a couple of games, improve your gang, and as you said, it sort of petered out. It um, did a little bit, unfortunately. So what, what do you attribute that to? What do you think? I think... Part of it, unfortunately, my life got a bit busy at the time. Mm. Um, and you, I were, was you were the driving force yeah. behind the camp, yeah. Um, so we ended up playing a few, probably three or four sessions. People got their warbands up, a bit more powerful. Mm. Um, you could play anyone at least once during the fortnight. So you could, if you had the time and you could arrange the games, you advanced your games very quickly. I had, with access to a table at my house, I played a lot of games. So I ended up running two warbands mm. just to keep a bit of a balance. Otherwise, Three, I think, wasn't it? Sisters of Sigma... It was no, it was three. It was Reichlander, Sisters of Sigma, and A Carnival of Chaos, and it ended up that no one wanted to play any of them. (laughs) Hey, Um, oh no, you would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Thank you. There were a lot of very quick retreats, and (laughs) I think I had a dwarf warband run away from me. Yeah, Yeah. my Avalanders would face up to anyone. They would, yeah, sit in a building somewhere across the board and shoot arrows at people, and and then run away. Yeah, and then run away, which is fair enough. (laughs) Um, so we played that, and then we had one big, uh, big game with all of us playing, which mm. was really good. I think. Yeah, I couldn't um, like that one. It was everyone really enjoyed it. Mm. There were some attempts at alliances. There were people turning on each other. There was about eight warbands on the yeah. table at the time, wasn't there? There was. And it was really interesting how um, people set up and chose sides and mm. chose where to deploy models. It was a really good thing. I think then my life got a bit busy, mm. um, and it just sort of petered out. Um, without think, you know, my, force. my personal opinion too, I think an element to it was that there was no, you know, what was the end game? Yeah, I think so. you know when when you organise, you know, next time certainly what I would take from that if we're running a league is to say, listen, after X number of weeks, after X number of games, um, or if there is an overarching story to it, where does it culminate? Where does that that you know, where does that story come together and end? Yeah. And I think, you know, if there was that, if everyone's building towards that particular point, then I think that, you know, like with the slow grow, for example, yeah. you know, the there was a finite number of games, boom, that was going to be it, that was going to be the end, there was going to be a winner or a loser or whatever it was. Yeah. So it has to be a winner or a loser necessarily, but, you know, if there's an end point of the campaign that everyone's driving towards, then perhaps, you know... I think so. I agree. Yeah. Um, after it sort of petered out, I was just sort of reading on the forums on uh, on Yak Tribe, which mm-hmm. is a big, huge community resource. If you ever ne- want to look at Necromunda or Mordheim um, and also Gorkamorka, which is another one that, that mm-hmm. Games Workshop released, Yak Tribe is a massive resource. They've rewritten, um, community updated a lot of the rules mm-hmm. to make them a bit more balanced, and it's fantastic. Um and you can download all the rules yes, for, you can. for Mordheim. Uh, yeah, Mordheim, Necromunda, and yeah, and Gorkamok can mm. all be downloaded free. No issues there. Um, a lot of their campaigns for Mordheim are run with. They've got these awesome campaigns like around a zombie apocalypse and and rise of the necromancers and stuff like that that they use to drive these campaigns. I think I did it at the end. I'd probably run something like that where there's a series of scenarios that they play in oh, nice, as you yeah. build up, and in the end is basically. It's a scenario, usually at the end, there's some kind of apocalyptic scenario that you probably won't win, but there's still a lot of fun in that, but trying then, to survive. I think or that's a big part of the old world, isn't yeah. it, though? It's just, and, and it's a big part of the story, the game's workshop setting, it's very dark. Yeah. yeah I think that, you know, that, that'd be a lot of yeah. fun, yeah. But I think we, um, in terms of the hobby around it, we did... Um, we both had a lot of fun. I mean, you got a lot of my, you got your entire warband painted. Yeah, I got my which, entire it which was, was impressive. It was shocking. Yeah, well, we, and it was interesting too because Mordheim being we went, we decided to go with Mordheim because it was a fantasy game. People had easier access to the miniatures. Yeah. I ended up buying a fifteenth um, century pl- box of plastic um, Perry, yeah. Perry Brothers miniatures, fifteenth century mercenaries or something along those lines, and basically putting together all my figures out of that. I bought yep. a couple of halflings off another site, uh, and they're re- they, they look really nice. The models, Perry miniatures, do a great job. But yeah, managed to paint them all up, which I was very very thrilled with. It was very, I was very impressed. Yeah, I was, it was good. I was too. Yeah, I was uh, very thrilled with that. It was, no. It was a pleasure to get them on the table. To be honest, yep. yeah. And you had your Reichlanders I had my, painted my, up. Yeah, my Reichlanders, which were. Um, a, I'm trying to think of which company it was. Fireforge Games. Yeah, Fireforge. One of their boxes. A, um, Crusader. Uh, what's the Crusaders? What's the Men at Arms? Dias. Dias. Dias Vol. That's it. Um, was the game. Yeah. Men at Arms, I think they were, and um, I built it out of them. I got most of them painted up, which mm. was really good, and then I sort of moved on. There's no sisters. I couldn't find any sisters. I sort of proxied them for a while, and then by the time I got enough models to build my 
Carnival Warband properly, which mm. was a mix of avatars of war models, some Frostgrave cultist a mm. box. Um, the the campaign had sort of petered out a bit, so they didn't get painted. But my my Reichlanders got painted mostly, um, mm. and they they were a lot of fun to play, very yeah. shooty. But yeah, I, I was happy that we got stuff painted, which was just nice. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was. It was nice to play with painted models, and it was a lot of fun. Um, so moving on from Mordheim, the yep. other thing that arrived around that time was. was a Kickstarter that we both backed reasonably extensively. Just um, a little bit. And that was the Heavy Gear Blitz. Yes. I think we we got into that, got two full boxes and some extras each. Yep. Uh, no, across the, or shared two full boxes yeah. and, and a bunch of extras each. Um, I have uh, the Northern... Uh, Force, and you've got the Southern. Southerns. I've got the CEF, the Earth. Uh, for, you know, the, the Force that represents Earth. And um, I had had Caprice, Caprice you which sold is, off. Yeah, yeah, I sold off just because I just didn't. I think I wasn't really happy with the kind of the models, the play or style. The, or yeah, the, the play. I think the yeah. play style, and so eventually, probably I'll get into. I think they they're Newcom, planning. To, yeah. yeah, they're probably planning to kickstart. With the small factions, I think they are next year. Yeah. Next year, so or this year actually, this year. later this year possibly. So we'll probably look at that. But I think we were, we both have the background of the role playing, role, game. the heavy gear role playing game, mm. which is such a a rich universe. Yeah, the and art it's, is oh. it's very manga. Yep. You know that that big stompy robots are just yep. done beautifully. I love it. Yeah. Um. So we got very excited when that was put up to Kickstarter, and we we got a little excited one day, and may have just the <laughs> pledge level just kept on rising yeah, it did. and rising. Uh, but that but was right. in retrospect, I'm not. I don't have buyer's remorse over that. No, I've got no regret. The the models are just amazing. Yeah, they're ph- phenomenal, aren't they? And the rule set is really dynamic and fun. It is, but it's one of those rule sets. Non war gamers out there, there's a term crunch. Yep. And crunch is to do with the detail that's bought into the game through the rule system. Heavy gear is big on crunch. It is. There's a lot of crunch in the rule system. There's particularly around ECM. Oh. Uh, that whole electronic warfare, it's electronic massive. countermeasures, electronic counter countermeasures. Yep. Um, you know that ability to fire at things you can't see because yep. you're within sensor range of them. The whole line of sight, yep. the sensor jamming. That there is a lot of quite technical. There is rules around that. I think that take a bit of getting used to. Oh, very much. Um, I think on the forums and on Facebook pages. One of the huge ones, things like indirect fire, which involves electronic oh, yeah, warfare. Yeah. There have been so many people asking, "How do I do this?" How do, you know, a number How of people it work? Yeah. put up guides and you know flowcharts to help people through it. But it's complicated, but it adds so much to the game because it makes it feel real. Yeah, like, do- that's one of the things I, I like. When I read the rules, I was like, "Oh, well, let me rephrase that." When I par- when I sort of glanced through the rules and I read <laughs> here and there. Um, Quinn's like because I don't do a lot of rule reading. Um, the but when I re- when I was reading about the sensors and the sensor range and the ECM, I was like, this is really cool. Yeah, there could be a, a, a an enemy standing behind a building. You can't see them. You can shoot them though. If you yep. you know if you got a, if, as long as you've got an indirect fire weapon, you know rockets or something like that, you can shoot them. I just love that idea. Yep. It it really breaks open and makes much more dynamic that whole concept. It does. And then the, the the countermeasures in terms of being able to jam sensors yep. and so on. Yeah, it really does add a lot of flavour to the game. It does. I think we've we've assembled most of the models now. You've yeah. actually managed to paint some. I've I've assembled all my northern force. Um and I've painted all my hunters, so about eight models. Yeah. So I've still got a fair few to go. I've assembled my most of my southern that I've all the southern ones I've got I I have and most of them are done, and I had these awesome plans to have these beautiful jungle bases, mm. and I bought all the, did, the terrain-making yeah, yeah. material, as I do with a lot of my projects, and nothing really. I think I punched out two leaves on the, uh, yeah, the, 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 the aluminium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's as far as it's got. Yeah. Well, I, we have get base, I have all the, the bases. Table. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we definitely do. Mm, um, no, I really do like it's that. A, it's a fun game. It's funny you say that. I've got all the basing material over there for my gears, the um, Tundra Tufts and oh, yep. and um, Highland Flock and so forth that I've got over there. I need to, you know, I need at, to finish At least yours are the, painted. Well, eight of them are painted. They are, yours are undercoated. They are undercoated. All yours are undercoated. And one of the reasons that eight <laughs> of them are painted is because the colour scan doesn't vary a hell of a lot away from the undercoat. Well, true. They're still painted. Yeah, they are. They're yeah. painted. Mine are not even undercoated. Yeah. 
So no, I was pretty happy with that. I actually did quite a bit of painting in the, the tail end last yeah. year, the Mordheim Warband, the um, the heavy gears, which I'd like to finish off doing actually, um, and so on. So I'd love to get that back to the table. Anything else we need to add in regard to heavy gear? Other than it's an awesome game, and I want to get more models, and yeah. I'm really hanging out for the Kickstarter. Oh, I want to get some more tanks and some uh, some oh. tanks and some striders for my Northern Force. I, I wanted to. The unfortunate thing I think with heavy gear is it's difficult to get in Australia. That's it is. That's, that's sad. You. They're really a very, I think there's one or two stockers that have minimal amount. Mm. There's still no availability of plastics, as far as I'm aware, which are the Kickstarter plastics. You can, get, are, the, you can get the core box. Can you from... Um, Alpha Strike. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. Um, but anything else, you've kind of got to get direct from the US site, which yeah. does make things a bit more expensive. Shipping-wise, yeah, particularly. It does, yeah, it uh, yeah. Which is unfortunate, because it's such a... Re- it is a really good rule set, and mm. it's a really rich universe. It is, um, yeah. And it would definitely... It's definitely worth looking at. Yeah. It's a oh, fantastic sure. game. I just think, you know, if, if you know, you're newish to war games, mm. the rulebook can be a little bit daunting. With the, very. The, very terminology-laden. The good thing about the rulebook is, though, is the first section is a quick start rule set, yeah. which is very basic, and you can just get your head around that. Yep. You don't have to go into all the in-depth stuff. Just get your head around the first mm. bit. And that, that's, that holds true with a lot of war games, but is, they've yeah. actually set their rulebook up so that here's how a quick start. Use these rules. These are the full rules. Then and all the army lists at the back. Yep. Yeah. And I think the other side of it, too, is building your army can look very, very daunting because okay. it's not done in an, a normal no, fashion at all. Not at all. Um, and so when you come across that side of it, it can you, you can be sort of feel completely adrift in, yeah. how do I actually put a force together here? Um, but, you know, again, all the, all the, and I should add too, all the rules are available free to download yeah. if you go over to rpgnow.com. You can um, download all the rules, okay. quick start, the full rules, um, a whole bunch of extras um, there. Which is well worth doing. Yeah. So yeah, look, a really good rule set. I'd I'd recommend it for sure. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Um. So next, I've got on the docket is um, Faustus Furious, which we both got excited about, and I never got to play. Yeah. Well, we we both went out and bought a bunch of fifteen uh, mil chariots. It's a chariot racing game by yep. Ganesha Games, the same company that make um, Song of Blades and Heroes. Uh, and all the various spin-offs of, of Song of Blades and Heroes system. Yep. Um, Fastest Furious uses the same basic dice mechanic. You're rolling, um, you know, three dice, uh, looking for success. You know, if you have too many failures, things happen. Like, yep. uh, you can crash, you know, so on and so forth. So you get a certain number of actions from the dice you roll, then you can use those actions to do different things. It is a lot of fun. It was just silly fun. Yeah. I ended up playing this with my son, uh, and we used Dystopian Wars tanks racing around a sort of track, yep. um, shooting at each other, and, and so on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. We, we need to we need to have a go of it. We do. We need. To, I didn't get. Yeah. We didn't get my chariots assembled. Yeah, this is my issue. Well, I haven't got my chariots assembled either. I just use the um, the DW stuff. Well, and that's the thing about the rule set is that it says chariot, but it can be anything. If oh. you want to think of it as a futuristic set where it can be pod racing, yeah, it can be anything you want. And that's the the. I think it's one of the great things about it. It, it looked like when I read it, Giles um, sent me the rules and. I was really excited because it just looked like a, one of those games that you pick up, you know, you haven't got a lot of time for a, for a war game or, or a board game that has, you know, mm. for us, most of them have miniatures because that's what we like. This is something you can throw together in half an hour, Yeah, have a quick game, have some fun. Yeah. And then, you know, if that's all you've got time for, it's great. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good fun. I, I, I would like to play that again, actually. Um, so next on your docket, we've got, um, do you want to go with Battle Law? We can go with Battle Law. Yeah. I've... Joel's actually um, introduced me to this game. We, I think, I think you suggested we were looking for something that was quick and easy. Yeah, we pretty were, much. We yeah. were both busy with family and just Didn't life to, in general. And yeah, think too much prior no. to getting it to the table, so yeah. to speak. And Battle Law, Joel's. I played it for the first time, and I sort of have fell in love with it, with the actual system, mm. which is a core of um, the, yeah, uh, Command to, and Colors. Command and Colors. Which I've gone out and now looked at all the other command and colours, yeah. and now I'm saving up to buy all the ancient all stuff. the ancient yeah. stuff. Um, well, I've pre-ordered um, command and colours medieval. Yep, which we're just so the the system is basically that um, the scenarios are generally all set. Yeah. Um, you have two sides. Um, the board's divided into three sections: a left and right flank and a centre. Um, you set your your t- table and your forces up according to the scenario. You each take a side, and then you draw cards, which allow you to you can play one a turn generally. And you, it allows you to activate a certain number of units in an area or in multiple areas. 
So you'll have a hand of, I think, five cards usually on depends average. Depends on the scenario, yep. yeah. And with Battle Lord, it depends on the level of your commander yep. if you're playing with the, um, with the Law Council. Yep. Yeah. So, and as a basic set, so you, you might have five cards. That gives you your flexibility. You can choose where, but you may not have, always have the cards you want to activate the units you want in the yeah, area. Yeah. And it really, it, the thing I love about it, one, it's a simple game. It's played on a hex map. There's not um, a lot of questions. You don't have any questions about what's going on, no, do you? Either? It's all there. The, the, the fighting mechanic's very simple. It's very basic, um, which makes it easy to keep track of. I love the idea that the uncertainty of war. Mm. You're a commander. You're on a battlefield. You're looking over this map. You've got a left, right flank. You've got a center. You're not always going to get what you want. You're not always going to be able to move the units you want. And you don't know where your enemy's got their... You know, they might yep. have all their all their cards. They get their, they're massively flexible in the centre and the right flank. Yep. You've got no idea. Yep. So. It's just that uncertain... And I think I find, in terms of my wargaming, I look for a challenge that challenges me as a, as, as a wargamer. Mm. Um, wargames where everything is on the table and it's predictable. I do move all my units. You move all your units. I'm not as big a fan of those ones... Because of the predictability, mm. I can do the mathematics, I can look at what the person is going to do and I can average it all out. And then it's just a, a game of, you know, working out averages follow and a bit of yeah, yeah. follow procedure. The systems that vary things up and make activations unpredictable or, or the way to move your troops unpredictable become very exciting for me because it means that I have to work a lot harder. Mm. Um, so Battle Laws really is that. Do I play this card now? Do I move this unit on the flank or which one am I going to do? And it brings even more into it because then they'll have extra ones that allow you to move all your heavy infantry or yeah. move all your light infantry. And it just really is a really dynamic game. Yeah. And, and it plays quick. It is. It's very, very quick to play. Once you get your head around, it only takes one or two games to really get your head around the system. We were playing three or four games in about an evening, yeah. in an evening which is, for us is about two or three hours if, yep. we, if we had a chance. So we will get through a number of scenarios. Yeah, it's been good actually. We need to get that back because we. Do. we um, the list of things we need to get back to the table is going. We, the, um, funny about that. We finished off. I think we finished, we, we nailed the um, scenarios in the in the. It's, we're talking about um, um, Battle Law being the, uh, the the older version published originally by Days of Wonder and and then bought by Fantasy Flight before Fantasy Flight released their second edition. And we knocked through all the scenarios in the that came in the core box yep. in the space of a couple of weeks. I yep. think we've, we've got. Every other expansion that had been released by Days of Wonder and Fantasy Flight, or not, the scenarios associated yeah. with them to get through. So we started we, on we the second one, which was the oh, I think it was starting to bring in the fantasy elements and the yeah. Well, that, that was yeah. We finished with all of the the um, law. We council. did too, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. yeah. So, so we're on to the. I think we we're going to go with the either epic. I think. I, I think, think so. Epic or Call of Arms next. Yeah. So I should be good. Well, that one definitely. We we'll have to find some nights where we don't have a lot of time and yeah. get back to the table. That's right. Yeah. Once we get up to date with the recording, which is what we're doing in the night. Which is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so Battle Law, um, I guess, you know, if we round out the games we've been playing, um, the other one that I got recently that was a Kickstarter I'd been really excited about yep. was um, Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah. Turtles Shadows of the Past. Yep. Um, it's sort of a hybrid board game, miniatures game. Yeah. It's dudes on the map, sort of dungeon crawl-esque game. Um, it's... Um, it, it, it's published by IDW, who do the comic book series. Yep. Um, it's based very much around the comic book series yep. as opposed to the Nickelodeon you yep. know, or the yep. the Michael Bay... Travesty? Travesty. Oh, we didn't say you. that, did yeah. we? Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Anything Michael Bay touched. Not my childhood, Michael Bay. <laughs> no, Leave no. it alone. Um, but oh, God. Don't Sorry. touch the Transformers. So, the... Yeah, so anyway, so Shadows of the Past... Really, we we played a game of this. We did, and um, the Ninja Turtles got absolutely stonked. We did. And we were only learning the game really, yeah. and the rules. I wasn't really au okay with the rules because rules reading is something that, um, for some reason, I've really struggled with the last year or so. So, or getting around to actually reading through the well, rules. Well, that's probably more getting around to game reading. Night. Yeah. So it, we really struggled through with the yeah. rules and things like that. But what 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 were your impressions of the game? Um, I think. I, part of it was the, like the rules reading, and when you're learning mm. a game, it's very hard to. It becomes very staccato. You need it does. You, you need to have a good flow. In I think that's part feel. of mm. part of the thing. Um, I enjoyed the idea of like I grew up with the the graphic novel, mm. the, the original four graphic novel that I think they released. Mm. I love those. Mm. I had the original. I had I had the first printings of them years ago, and I got rid of them, which I regret heaps. Um, and they were just so they were visceral. Mm. They were. It was not your your, your comic, your, sorry, your, your Nickelodeon TV show that mm. was just all. It was really really graphic, and yeah. I loved them. So I I really 
enjoyed the idea of getting on the table with this. I think if we were going to play it again, the more if we had more flow to it, because I think you're, I, from the feeling I got, it's a bit it's narrative based. Like, yeah. like a lot of things we do, it's a story, mm. and the scenarios leading to another, and and that momentum needs to be maintained, and you need to keep moving forward. You said that you played it with. I played your, it the second time. Yeah, yeah I played it with uh, my wife and son, and and that time I I was okay with the rules at that yep. point, and it just it did. It had that much better flow to it. Now, I was advising, you know, I was obviously helping my wife yeah. and son learn the game. And, um, yeah, just it be, once the sort of the rule set faded into the background, it became a really dynamic experience. Yeah. I, I really liked it and I think um, it'd be worth, it'd be worth yeah. having another crack at it because it was um, a lot of fun. And once you start getting into the, the team play mechanics and working out how you arrange so yeah. you arrange every, every new sort of gets their dice, they roll them. And, and, and the dice have various symbols on them which equate to various actions. You arrange them. The yep. dice on the left can be shared by the person on your left. The dice on the right can be shared by the person on your right, unless you're Raphael who doesn't team up with anybody because no. he's a loner. Yep. Um, so there's a, there is a teamwork aspect there to is, it. Yeah. Um, and, and once you get into using the, the, the various abilities, abilities and, yeah. like Leonardo, for example, you know you might have someone activate. Leonardo can swap dice around, so then he might say, well, you've used that ability on that side, so now we'll swap that dice around so this person can use it as yeah. well, or whatever it might be. So it can be, you know, there's a lot of team play to happen in terms of who goes when yep. and how those dice are arranged and so forth. The designer is Kevin Wilson. He did um, Doom, Descent, Journeys in the Dark, um, Android. All these are massive sort of um, sprawling, you know, story-laden, yeah. narrative-driven, you know, experience-style games. This one's no different. I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it, and I, it's again something again, we've got to get, get back, back to the, the table. table. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Phrase of the evening. Oh, it is going to be. Um, so that's that's in terms of what we what what I've been playing. Um, I guess the last thing we want to talk about is what's upcoming that we're getting ready to play. We've had a few practice games of yeah. it. Oh, and there was one more thing. I think what we've um, so I had the terrain as well. We talk about the terrain, what we've been building just yep. after, after what we've been playing. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So we got we've been getting ready for another. Um, we have tournament. Oh, yep, we well, have not two. Not a tournament per se, but a um, campaign. Yeah, can another campaign. I think um, upcoming. Well, it's been delayed a little bit, but we've been getting sort of some models ready, and we've had a couple of practice games at the club for a Necromunda campaign. Mm. Um, again, seems to be a theme at our club at the moment. Is these these games with the mini campaigns? Yeah, yeah. Something to keep track of and something to get attached to, and to get people into the club and get them involved. And we're hoping to get a few people who normally don't get involved with with other games involved mm. in this. So I've been madly assembling um, a Vansar gang and recently a Cordor gang. Mm. Um, if anyone doesn't know, so Necromunda was a rule set released by Games Workshop in the mid nineties. Yeah, it seems to be when a lot of these games were released yeah, by. Them. I think that's it. Games Workshop in their in their prime in I their so. heyday. You know, yeah. prior, before the dark times, before the empire. Well, oh god. <laughs> Let's just say it was back when Creative License had its free reign. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. some. Fantastic games were released. Yes. So Necromunda set in the Warhammer Forty Thousand universe mm. um, uh, on uh, in the Necromunda Hive. So you run a set of gangers in the Underhive, basically, and there's a whole heap of rules. Um, again, Yak Tribe have gone through and done their own community version. They've also done a living rulebook version, which mm. is not as edited as much, and also the original rulebook is available on their website as well. So you develop, you build a gang, and then you play battles. And the campaign system is very, very abstract. There's no map. It's basically you just arranged to have a fight um, or there's a number of people who brought out new um, actual map-based campaigns. So you, you follow your, can your gang through um, and you you develop them and you build them. Mm. Um, and as we were saying with Mordheim, it's the game after, after the, the game. game. What happens to your gang is what happens to you. So I um, I normally play a Vansar, which is like the tech guys mm. um, and they tend to be long range. Then I'm like, oh, maybe that'll be a bit cheesy. People won't like it. Mm. So I decided to play a close combat gang, which has more flamers than it probably is healthy, <laughs> um, which nobody's going to like again. But that's okay. I assembled them. Um, the fun part I found about this, or fun, some people think difficult, there's no miniatures available. You have to buy the old Games Workshop metal ones if you want originals, which are very hard to get and tend to be very expensive. Mm. Um, so I decided to branch out and get my models from elsewhere. So I got my my Vansar gang of, from a company called Anvil Industries. Mm. Uh, that looked really nice. Uh, yeah. If if anyone's looking for alternatives for Warhammer Forty Thousand Imperial Guard, mm. have a look at them. Anvil Industries. They've got a website. They I think they're over in the UK. I can't remember. Um, 
they produce a massive line of modular Imperial Guardsmen. Mm. You can swap torsos, arms, weapons, um, heads. They have massive. And there's a lot of places that do do that. Um, I got them from there just because the arms are really modular, the weapons you can change out. So that was where I got my Vansar from. And they turned out really well. I, I did a bit of converting work with them and actually managed to find the proper heads for a Vansar, which they tend to be the goatee, the goatee and mustache The goatee mustache. They're the hipster the Yeah, hipster the, the hipster the gang. Pony, ponytails and beards. Ponytails, beards. Um, from another website, and honestly, for the life of me, can't remember where I got those from. So I put them, and they, they turned out well and had a couple of games with them. And then I got my Cordor gang were just a kit bash from everywhere. Cordor are uh, the, sort of the low-tech Cult. Cult gang, so they tend to wear a lot of, not robes, but if you... Like executioner's uniforms, aren't they? Almost. almost. Like the, the, probably the the way I describe it is the yeoman, uh, British, uh, sorry, English yeowmen, how they had the, they would have a cowl over them. Yeah, so that was what they, so I got um, Frostgrave Frostgrave mercenary miniatures and I got some heads from another company and some some really awesome weapons from a, a, a a sculptor in Australia, um, Victoria, Victoria Mansion. Yeah. yeah, they are beautiful weapons. She, she does. Um, she has a whole line of female miniatures, yeah. a whole line of uh, modular element, uh, modular pieces yeah. for, for other miniatures lines, and her own sort of weird fantasy. Yeah. Um, and they are just phenomenal. Yeah, oh. she, she's an unbelievable. Um, painter, yep. sculptor, and artist. Yeah, she's phenomenal. I think uh, she makes, um, again, Imperial Guard models. It seems to be there's a lot of people do it, but she makes these ones called Van Diemen's uh, World, yeah, which yeah. are Aussies. Yeah, in the slouch hats. They, they look awesome. They've got slouch hats, and I'm just like, oh, maybe I should make... It, it, it half makes me want to get an Imperial Guard army, Yeah, and then I'll look at the 40K rules, and I go, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe I'll take it back to like maybe another time. third yeah. edition or fourth edition, yeah. but... We could find a use for them. We could. Yeah. We could definitely. definitely. That's a challenge, actually. We've got to find a use for them now. So I think you're with your Necromunda gang, you decided that. I have a whole bunch of um, Dystopian Legions models from Spartan yeah. Games. They're 32 mil scale, alternate 1800s. Yep. Um, so imagine Sky Captain, the World of Tomorrow, sort of goggles. Such a and, great movie. Yeah, it's just. It, it's. Uh, so yeah, so that's that style of thing. Yeah. So I had, um, you know, the, the officer pointing his bat on with a sort of revolver and this sort of um, almost World War One gas mask style thing and their uniform and so forth. So I'm using all the Covenant of Antarctica miniatures yep. all the way down to my juves, which are all these sort of robotic automator yep. um, that look like sort of wind-up robots. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I've been using. I've sort of stepped away from the traditional, the traditional in that regard. But I had the miniatures. Yep. I liked the miniatures. Yeah, and it's good to get them on the table. So I think that was one of the things we, um, at the club we're at, some people are a bit strict on, well, one, what you see is what you get, and two, using traditional models or mm. models that have to look like it. I think at our club we try to get everybody involved. We don't care what you I, bring. I just get some models on the what table. what you see is what you get. I just, yeah. If someone wants to do it, That's props. Right? Yeah. Mad props, yeah. in fact, yeah. he says. Um, but, uh, you know, like, that's great. You know, if you want to go to that level of detail, you want to have that commitment, I, I think it's fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but don't expect other people to come to the table. No. I think it's just ridiculous. I think, too, it, it, it restricts so many people from playing the game. Yeah. And I think one of the things we wanted to include people, get people playing. Yeah, I, I would rather have 10 people participate yep. and play with, you know, as long as at the start, you know, this is this, this is this, thanks yeah. very much, let's go for it. You know, we're not playing for sheep stations or anything. No. For goodness sake. And I think that's the thing being with these um with these campaigns is that it's been more focused on fun. Mm. I'll build a list, I'll generally build a gang that's pretty hard and that's Yeah, but you you like you that that's It's me. Yeah. But if I when I'm playing a game, it's for fun. I I'll let people take back moves if they're silly moves. I'll let people, you know, jiggle models around, you know. If they don't know the rules, I'll help them through it. It's not about... It's more about having fun during the game. Yeah. And that's what we try and do. So. And, and we're putting on the... You know, the, the, really, these campaigns and things like that are about involving people at yeah. the club. It's about doing something that's communal that everybody at the club can get involved with yep. and have fun with and participate in and, yep. you know, gives everybody a common thing to talk about and, and yeah. to, to chew the fat over and to laugh over and to, yep. to complain about and all yep. those other things, yep. you know, it's... Uh, you know, I think in, in that way, it's really about building club participation yeah, as much as much. anything else, and, yeah. and having that experience is fun for everyone to join into. So, very much so. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's the best way to go, personally. Yep. Um, all right, so we're finished with sort of what we've been playing. We've been getting ready for Necromunda. We've played a few pra- practice yeah, games. Yeah, we have. 
throwing some models on the table. Yep. But uh, that will be something hopefully we'll cover in an upcoming episode. I think so, more, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, with, as, as that approaches. Um, anything else we've been playing that sort of needs mention? Not that we've been playing. Um, we've been, oh, I've been doing a lot of, a lot, um, that's every, yeah, that's everything we've been playing. I've been doing a lot of assembly work. Terrain assembly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got some as well. We, we recently got a little excited over foreground terrain. It's not hard. No, it's not. They have some absolutely magnificent terrain. Oh, so. the terrain is um, oh, phenomenal. So I think um, you've mentioned it before, Giles, in regards to Ducks Britannia RM. You've got some of their 15mm um, Dark Age Dark Huts. Age huts. Um, recently, um, I was looking for some terrain for Mordheim. I mm. found their, their Mordenberg Fantasy line, which is all pre-painted comes in a, a massive kit mm. uh, with thousands of pieces, which you will literally glue your hands together and go probably insane if you assemble more than about three buildings at one time. Yeah. But beside that point, they are really beautiful. They're pre-painted, which for us I think is a big problem. Painting models and painting terrain is something that we both don't get done very often. No, we don't have a lot of time for yeah. it, to be quite honest. At the end of the day, you know, the, the the constraint around us getting paint on models is usually due to time. Yep. So, we, you will pay more for them. They are a bit more expensive. They're um, beautiful. They are beautiful. So, I got I got all their ruined buildings mm. from the Mordenberg line and put them together and I put them on the table and I think Giles came around and I said, oh, I've, I've ordered these, I've ordered these and he's gone, oh, they look really cool and come around and I've assembled them and they're just magnificent. Yeah, they're right. fully pre-painted. They just look great on the table. They really do, yeah. yeah. Yep. So then what happened was you bought some. I bought I bought the unruined yep, models terrain. Um, plus some of their fences mm. um, and then box cart. The box cart. Because you've got to have the ox cart. <laughs> you've got to have an ox cart. You've got to have an ox cart. <laughs> the table's not complete without an ox cart, <laughs> without let's ox be cart. honest. Very true. And then around Christmas time, my wife was going, Oh, what do you want for Christmas? And I'll have one of those airbrushes, thanks. Well, <laughs> oh no, that was birthday. We won't talk about the airbrush we debacle. Last episode, we did, yeah. I think we did. Yeah. I mentioned that I'd like some more miniatures. She said, "You can't have any more miniatures." I'm like, "Okay, what about some terrain?" And she's actually, my wife's very tolerant, and I love my wife, and she's actually <laughs> fallen in love with this terrain as well. She listens to this episode, doesn't she? Uh, I don't think she even knows about the. Feed, thank God. We're not going to mention it to her. And right. if anybody tells her, I will find you and hunt you down. <laughs> I will find you. All right, here you go. Um, so, yeah, she's actually she's actually fallen in love with this mm. train as well. She she used to actually play war games with yeah, me. Yeah, she, she plays she's played quite a bit. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, I ended up getting um, the Mordenberg Watchtower. Yeah, well, oh my goodness, yeah. Which is... Like a lighthouse. I'd hate to, it, it is. It's, it, it's in 28 mil, but it's five or six levels high. And so each level is enough to stand probably close to a 32 mil model in it. Yeah. Um, and it's just this massive sprawling thing that I've finally got together up. I buggered up one part. I'm waiting. And Foreground, if anyone from Foreground listens to this, thank you so much. Your customer service is awesome. <laughs> They're sending me a replacement sheet of the bit that I buggered up because I wasn't reading the instructions correctly and yeah, not paying yeah, attention. That happens, yeah. so instructions? Bleh. Who needs those? No, my advice to anyone assembling Foreground, the Foreground terrain. Read the instructions because there are so many parts. Yeah, um, especially the twenty-eight mil stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. Um, so yeah, I got the the watchtower. I got the blacksmith, um, and pretty much nearly every single unruined building, mm. which aren't assembled yet. But that's okay. So, and then I've gone out and bought more with walls, and and I bought a, a bridge and a well, and and the hangman's noose that comes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so we've got a lot of it now. Yeah. Um, I've just got to assemble it. I've got one building assembled. <laughs> You've got one. I've got all the ruined ones. Yeah. The watchtower. I've got the blacksmith done. Yeah. And I'd love the blacksmith actually. I think I'm. It's a really that, yeah. nice model. Mm. Um, and a whole heap of wall. I bought a whole heap of walls. Um, the well I put together, which was a, a nightmare to put together. Oh really? Yeah. Mm. A, a curved. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Paper. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's having flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I actually. He's curling up into a fetal position as we speak. It's, it's not good. Um, I, I'm lazy and I get um, impatient, so mm. I don't use white glue. I don't use PVA. I use super glue, which is the, the Loctite professional super glue, which is really like, awesome stuff. Yeah, you accidentally drop a piece on the thing and it's not coming off again. No, or you drop your, chisel. your fingers on it and then you I, I end up with super glue all over my fingers yeah. and, and almost glued to the terrain multiple times. But anyway, we have a lot of it, and that was we. I spent a lot of my time, free time, assembling my terrain mm. to get it on the table. Yeah, it looks good. Um, it's fantastic stuff. Yeah, I love it. I got speaking of terrain, I just got a whole bunch of um, 
science fiction 28mm scale terrain from Spartan. Uh, they're the biggest boxes I've seen for a long time. Yeah. I'm, and they're so... They're heavy. You could literally throw some... Uh, I would... If someone invaded your home, you would use it in self-defense. Throw yeah. it at them, it would it would could. almost kill them you with the impact. The, cover that. You could hide behind them to, You could. To it's stop a it barricade. Spray of bullets. I'm pretty sure, actually, they would stop bullets. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they There's would. There's enough too. resin in There's there. There's enough MDF and resin. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so just a few. I I, uh, I need to assemble that, but I think it'll look really nice once no, it's done. No, I think it'll be fantastic. Mm. I've seen a couple of ter- uh, tables um, when they did CanCon. Yeah, yeah. Um, up there that have used the the, the Spartan, Spartan stuff, terrain, yeah, Spartan Sonics, and yeah. they look really good. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to getting it all done. Yeah, I've got to get my uh, Napoleonics built first. But more on that another time. Another time. All right, um, moving so on. Moving on. We're, we're running over. We're long. running we quite are. over. So, Kings of War, Kings you've of been War. assembling. Well, I have too as well. Um, it doesn't take much to get me excited with the game. Um, uh, well, you and I both. You're true. Um, you just haven't got around to buying yours yet. No, but then um, what was I messaging you the other night? Oh, have you looked at Saga? Saga looks really cool. <laughs> I was sitting there waiting for a reply with my finger over the purchase button. But, Impulse uh, but, purchasing, yeah. it's bad for us. It's terrible. But yeah, go on. Um, so I, um, the guys over in Bendigo who run Badger mm. um, over there, they play Kings of War. Mm. Um, I've been looking for a, a, a 28mm regimental game since obviously large scale, yes. yeah large scale since, since the war. death of games workshop oh yeah since the dark, dark times, times yeah. since the empire well <laughs> warhammer whatever their choice was they made a decision um i loved warhammer um yeah. and i had I used to have multiple armies mm. found kings of war read the rules really liked the idea bought an undead army mm. Um, as, so, you do. as you do. Um, so I have an undated army that's most or half assembled, um, mm. and I'm working on actually. I just pulled it all out today to to get it more assembled because I've just found out that some people who actually have an army in Shepparton where I live that actually want to play. Yeah, yeah. So well, I need to get my army for that. Too. Yes, I'm get my um, your forces, forces of, of nature, nature, which you can buy mega box now. Yeah, um, I'm looking at yes. that. Yeah, some centaurs and skinks. And yes, yeah, that'll be good. I've. Another thing to get on the table. Yep. Why not? I've got to finish putting together my Napoleonics <laughs> first. <laughs> but more on that later. But more on that in another episode. Um, so, yeah. So, Kings of War, you're looking forward to getting those to the table? I am. I, I love um, big regimental mm. um, fantasy games. Um, I started... 40K was my first game. Mm. Warhammer was my second game. Yeah. And I had a dwarf army for years and years and years and years. My dwarf army before I sold it. And it was it was a tough part, but my dwarf army was all the old metal Dwarves, yeah, nice. Yeah, um, which I loved, but I was just never using it and money to fund other projects. So no, um, my first, <coughs> my first was Empire. Oh, for the, nice. the old. That was my first game. The Games Workshop. First real war game was was Warhammer. Yep. Fantasy battles. I had an Empire army for that. My yep. uncle. In fact, who could you get very, more stereotypical? No, I know. And uh, my uncle, who is a very posh Englishman. Lovely man, if he's listening, which he won't be, but anyway. Um, very posh Englishman. I had asked him as a young teen to go into a games workshop store in the UK and buy me an uh, Empire Steam Tank, which he did, and he wrote me a letter with, uh, what did you make me go and do? <laughs> I went into this strange place. It was like another land, he wrote. Um, so, yeah, it was, oh, I'll never forget that. But, yeah, the Steam Tank was awesome. Oh, good, good times. That was, uh, fantasy was... Um I, I got back in. Fantasy was actually one of my gateways back into the hobby as mm. well. I got, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I left the hobby for a little while just through everything, uni, all those life, kind of things, yeah. life. And I got back into it and I got back in with 40K and fantasy, and, mm. but a little bit of 40K, but a lot of fantasy. I ended up with a, a, a quick short story. My wife, Again, my wife being very tolerant, um, I was playing a, a fantasy, a game of fantasy with my friend at the time um, who I worked with, a work colleague. And there was a knock on the door, which was a delivery that I knew was coming that I haven't told my wife about, which was a, an entire lizard Minami from Canada that I purchased on impulse while you, I was at work. As you do. You should get delivered to your work address. Well, that's I can't because, you know, oh, there's yeah, not always yeah, someone enough. there. Yeah, and yeah. So, anyway, um, my wife opens the door, mm. gets this massive box because mm. there was – Nearly 200 Saurus Warriors. Yeah, or 78 kilos of lead. Oh, well, no, thank God it was all plastics. <laughs> oh, right. Um, coming from Canada. Yeah. There was like four Stegodons. Mm, oh, wow, yeah. It was a massive army. She walks in with this box and goes, and my friend's there. Yeah. What's this? I go, oh, I may have bought a Lizardman army from Canada. And she just looks at me, puts the box down, shakes her head and walks away. And that was all <laughs> I heard tolerant. of it. That's tolerant. That was all, literally, that was all I heard of it. Yeah. Just- 
that was it. I'm like, good thing I married this woman. Like, this, was, this was a good choice <laughs> a good to choice. marry this woman. Yeah. Um, she's very tolerant of yeah, my, yeah, my impulse buying. Yeah, your shelves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just very, very tolerant. So, um, fantasy, yeah. So, I'm very looking very forward to getting that on the table. Hopefully, mm. the next couple of weeks, I'll get it all Yeah, yeah that'd be... Oh, well, I need to... Speaking of which, after we finish the episode, I might Assemble. see where mega boxes can be found. Oh, well, Gus... Gus, all right. I'll speak to Gus. We'll see what we can sort out. All right, all right cool. Um, so we're finished with uh, Kings of War. So what else? You've been doing a little bit of commission painting. Yep, a little bit of commission painting for one of the guys at the club, mm. which unfortunately, again, due to times formed by the wayside family and everything, just um, makes it difficult. But yeah, I started painting his uh, Infinity uh, US Ariadna models. Yep. So I've got his grunts mostly done, mm. um, which was like nine models, which I was really enjoying painting actually. It just I find, I don't know if any other painters out there, you'll start a project, you'll get really into it, and then something will happen that will make you put it aside for mm. a while, and then getting back into that project is really hard. Getting started yeah. is always the hardest yeah. thing. I don't think it matters what the project is, it's getting started. Um, I'm just grateful that the guy I'm painting for is very, very tolerant, mm. like in terms of well, he's got a family as well, so he understands time restraints, constraints, mm. and all that kind of stuff. So, If you're listening as, top job. Yeah, thank you very much for your patience. I did look <laughs> at them today. Almost got to the table, and then obviously the kids decided they wanted to come in the back room and yeah. trash the place. So yeah. that was always fun. Yeah, stopping them from. You don't want the kids to be parting them. Well, I could, but they will end up pink. <laughs> um, that's the eldest daughter's favourite colour. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a little bit of commission painting, which I'm I'm enjoying, and hopefully get back to soon. Yep. And aside from that, mostly it's been Kickstarters. It has. So we've got. Uh, we'll talk about maybe the tournament a little bit at the right at the end. But, yeah, sure. Um, there's some Kickstarters you've been backing. You've got Mythic, have, Mythic Battles. I got very excited when I saw this Kickstarter. Um, again, just sort of browsing, I think I found this one. Or it came up on a feed, yeah. I think, from... I'm trying to think of which which one, which one of the big big Wargaming Review Play sites it did. One of them, anyway, oh, came Beasts up. Beasts of War. I think it was Beasts of War, I think mm. it was. And it came up and they reviewed this game and I just got really excited. One, the miniatures oh, nice, are nice. huge. Yeah. Um, they're, they're 32 mil scale miniatures, mm. um, and that's an, a normal guy, infantry is 32 scale. And it's set um, the Greek pantheon. Mm. So then you have a, a normal infantry guy will be 32 mil, and then you'll have the heroes like Achilles, Agamemnon, etc., yeah. who will be bigger. And mm. then you have gods mm. who are even bigger. And then you have titans mm. who are massive. They're 110 mil high. Yeah, it's crazy. They're yeah. huge. And they're not like. No, whipped thin either. They're, they're no, bulky, they're chunky. bulky models. They are yeah. big models. Um, and as I was following... It's the same company that made Conan, the board game. Yes, it, it yeah. is. Yeah, mm. true. And they've tied in a couple of... They've actually... Part of the Kickstarter, they've got a, mo- a model they've released for both Conan and, mm. and for Mythic Battles. I've heard really good things about Conan, so... Um, really looking forward to... Yeah. yeah. Well, I, when I was watching the game, the review on it and the, them playing the game, what I liked about it, and it comes back to when I look for a game, a challenging... Either something that I enjoy, so I enjoy army building, mm. or and I enjoy the the the, the general side and being challenged there. Um, the the army building in in mythic battles is is it oppositional? Mm. Um, you you set up all the the models you have available, and then you take turns in choosing your god and then your troops and then whoever you want. So you're never guaranteed to get what you want. Yeah, and and you know you might pick something and I might think. Oh, gee, he's got that. I don't want him to have those ones, which they go together yeah. really well, so I'll take those. So yep. He can't have them. Yeah. It's something that really appeals to me, the idea that I'm never going to – I and you agree, you'll probably attest to this, Giles. I tend to build lists that are very, very – some would say uh, uh, power gaming mm. at times. Cheesy. Cheesy. Um, I enjoy breaking systems yeah, you do, and yeah. making them as – you know, um, this – makes it very hard for me, which I enjoy because it means that I have to know more about the game. Mm. I have to know more about synergies mm. and I'm never going to get... I can't build that list I'm going to take every single time and it forces me to change, mm. which I really enjoy. Um, my hand, when we're playing this, my hand's going to hover over the Spartans and I'm going to watch and if you stroke your cat and smile, <laughs> and you, you, no. you don't want me to take that. No. You know, it's fine, I'll take something else there. Yeah. Right. So I, I begged, borrowed and pled um, from a friend to purchase some of my terrain. Mm. Thank you very much. You know who you are. <laughs> and I managed to back this at the highest level. Mm. Um, so I have a phenomenal number of miniatures coming. If you, The Kickstarter's unfortunately ended, but if you go to Kickstarter and search for Mythic Battles Pantheon, you can have a look at the miniatures they've got, and they are just beautiful miniatures. Yeah, they're nice. Yeah. Um, 
And I listened to there, there was a there was an interview done with um, one of the guys who works with Mythic Battles, um, with with the, with the team that are putting it together on uh, Meeples and Miniatures, yes. um, the Meeples and Miniatures podcast. If you haven't checked out the Meeples and Miniatures podcast, well worth doing. And a big shout out to uh, the boys there, Neil and Mike and Mike and Mike and Mike and Mike. They they do a really good job over there. They, but um, they had a good interview in yep. with. with or all about that game, yep. and it just yeah, it was one that if you hadn't backed it, I was going to. Oh, so it was it was a fight I was glad too. You took that bullet. There was a lot of negotiating <laughs> going on for me to get the money to back that because it was a it was a it's a hefty chunk. It was a hefty yeah. chunk of money, but it's a hefty chunk of models too. Oh, the amount that was in is in that Kickstarter is phenomenal, mm. and definitely well worth the money. Mm. Um, it's a very well priced Kickstarter for yeah. what you get. Oh, for sure. So there's that. There's Mythic Battles Pantheon. There's another one. Mm. So um, there's always there's another always one. another one. And yep. this Kickstarter is my bane of my it's existence terrible. at time. I know. Oh, I had to stop another one recently, but that's another story. Yeah. Um. So the other one I, I backed recently um is from another universe that I fond memories of, and I used to I really always wanted to really get heavily involved in, mm. which was the Mutant Chronicles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so universe I've really liked as oh, well. A, mm. Again, a really rich universe. Mm. Um, some beautiful artwork. The it's artwork some in great the original games art, for it. Yeah. some for not. You would, I think you would agree with me. Artwork is something that really brings you into a game. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's fundamental. Yeah. Yeah. If it's evocative and 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 just stimulates your senses and makes you think about the universe and want to be in the end. Play. It makes so much of a difference. And 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 Mutant Chronicles has always done that. I mm. think so. They had a Kickstarter for their ori- to to republish um, an original board game called Siege of the Citadel. By Richard Borg, or one of the designers of Richard Borg, who did yeah. that. Which, again, um, as I'm learning from you, Giles, because I'm I'm traditionally a war gamer, mm. and Giles has a more of a background in in board games as well as war gaming. Mm. Some war game designers just have it, and yeah. they do some awesome board games. Um, so this one I had a look at. I fell in love with the miniatures again, the universe I always loved, and then what sealed the fate was they made chibi models of <laughs> the the characters. Yep. And then I had to have it. Yeah. Um, it was as simple as that. It was, so Chibi the, models. Well, I don't care how much it costs. Take my liver. It was, it, they just did it so well. It was yeah. just, it was phenomenal. I just, and I put the extra money in. I backed mm. it. And it was just, so I backed again at pretty much the highest level for that yeah. one. So I'm looking forward to that one coming. That one's in pretty much production and should be around soon, I think. Oh, awesome. Yeah, um, that'd be This sweet. year, I think it's, yeah. it's projected to come out. They're just finalizing some designs and sculpts. Yeah. Most of them are done. Yeah, they've um, been published by Modifius yes. and distributed by Fantasy Flight Games. It is, yeah. yeah. So some good, very good manufacturers there. Mm. Um, it just looks really awesome. And the miniatures look really awesome. And yeah. Look, they'll probably never get painted, unfortunately, which is to my eternal shame. But yeah. the Chibis might. The Chibis just might. Just because, well, if you know any, they've, they've got these like zombie-like ones. Yeah. That are, they're called Necromutants. They've made Chibi zombies that yeah. just look really cool. They're so they're cute, That's so but cute. they're they're evil. It's oh my great. god! Yep, it's <laughs> get bad. away my brains. Oh, uh, it's uh, okay. You're so cute. <laughs> but anyway, I shouldn't let you get this close. No, but you're so cute. Uh. All right, so Siege of the Citadels, last yep. last of the Kickstarters, I suppose. Well, until next episode. <laughs> until next episode um, is Dystopian Wars. Yeah, they, they did a Dystopian Wars World Kickstarter. They did. Spartan Games. Uh, as listeners to the show might remember, um, Quentin and I both worked with Spartan in the past. Yep. And, um, you know, and at, at various times. And um, so we were pretty excited to see we Spartan take this route and yeah. to, to see what they could accomplish. And they accomplished they, it. They did a really good job. I yeah. think they did. They did a really good job. It was successful. The sculpts for all the models have been released now, which is really nice. And they, they look really they good. They look really mm. good. And in particular, I mean, the sculpt for the Ice Maiden is... is oh, it's just ridiculous. It's huge. It's massive. It's I've seen photos of, um, of, it, of people holding it, and it is it is like a house brick. It it's, is just... It's ridiculous. And again, cast in resin that yep. you're going to basically throw at someone, an intruder, and You don't want to be having a rules disagreement with an owner of Ice Maiden. No, no. <laughs> oh, God, that, that could end badly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it looked really good, and then um, so yeah, they did really well with that. They so did. we we you you backed that in partnership with another bloke. Yeah, at I the did. Club. Yeah. So I think sort of to we live in Australia. Shipping to Australia is pretty awful. One of the bane's of our existence mm. for some stupid reason. Damn our girt by sea status. Yeah, but still, you know mm. what? Really? Mm. Yeah. But anyway, well, let's not get into that 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 discussion. 
Um, so a few of us at the club went in. Um, one of the guys, he backed it at a very high level and basically just all tacked on our, our pledges to him. Yep. So I think I got a couple of the Empire of the Blazing Sun boxes yep. because the I expansion need... Expansion boxes, yeah. Because I need more squids. Yeah, of course you do, yeah. Because, uh, you know... It's about robotic underwater killing machines. Who doesn't like them? Yeah. I know. You're insane if you don't. I'm you sorry. Are. You are. See a doctor. You are well. It, it sort of adds my the 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 dystopian wars tournament last year. I, mm. The fleet I took to was basically giant robot yeah, killing squids, under, underwater robot squid things that and tore machine tore enemy ships apart, which did very well. And most people said I never want to see again. <laughs> um, and these just add to it. Yeah. So we got lots a couple of those boxes, and I got a couple of expansion boxes for the other fleets, mm. the many fleets that I have. And mm. what I else? think I got some Covenant. I in, in, got some Covenant of Antarctica, yep. and, and um, gosh, I can't remember. I think there's yeah, some possibly some Prussians and Russians as well. Yeah, mm. they're just some nice. Models. I got the Russians, and I'm. Um, I think I'm splitting part of the box with the guy who backed it mm. so I can get the, the Russian models because yes. I have a Russian fleet. The Nomads, um, the, yeah, the, the, big re- the big repair ship, which looks really cool. Mm. Um, and I got uh, the faction books for all the ones factions that I have. So I'm looking forward to getting those models. They look really nice. Mm. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing all the rules for them. I haven't seen any of the stats yet. Um, I'm, I'm quite excited for when they come out. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited to see what the faction books end up. Um, who doesn't like a bit yeah. of fluff? Absolutely. Yeah, like, anything to come back, you know. Um, I think I also got the factional tactics as well. Yeah. So the tactics are basically Cards like a, that, a command card kind of thing with adds a bit of unpredictability yeah, in the game. Yeah, it's a bit of a special ability you yeah. can play now and then at a cost. And they're producing ones that are specific to each nation, which mm. would be really nice, I think, add a bit of variation. Yeah, because generally good. at the moment they're a bit stagnated. Um, most people take the same ones over and over again. So hopefully this will change it up a bit, which will be yeah. good. No, it should be good. So speaking of Dystopian Wars, I suppose the last thing we can round out the episode yep. with um, is the Dystopian Wars tournament yeah. that we've got coming up. We run one um, every year. Yep. It's, a, it's a tradition going back three years. Three years. Um, so long-standing Which is a, That's a long time for us. For, you know, three years. Fairly, yeah. We could basically say that it's been around forever is what I think we're I think we're in terms for. of for us, it's forever. For us, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so the tournament's coming up. It is. Um, this year, I'm going to be TOing the tournament, yep. so be organising and running the tournament. Well, organising and running the tournament, supposedly. <laughs> um, and sort of overseeing everything in regards to that. Uh, it'll be held here at the club yep. in Shepparton, um, and registration's open, so it should be a lot of fun. We've yeah. Had a, a good, uh, you know, Usually turnout. 10 to 12 people. Mm. We're hoping to get, we can, we're hoping to get a few more this year. Um, it's over two days, which some people find a bit restrictive. It does mean that we can run more games. Mm. In terms of like tournaments, I generally found in the past, the more games you run, the better you'll have of a spread, the more chances of, Bearing up who wins. Yeah, one, one lucky result doesn't yeah. skew the, the end Very table. Very much yeah. so. So, unfortunately, with Dystopian Wars, you need to allow for two, two and a half hours for a game, yeah. which restricts how many games you can have in a day. Mm. Um, so, we run generally three games on the first day, two games on the second day, um, which allows for prizes and judging and... A painting competition painting as competition. well. A sports, yep. no, sports, good sports person yep. competition. We've got uh, this year early registration. Yep. Yeah, so it should be good. No, I'm looking good forward to it. Um, I, I'm at the moment in the process of designing my fleet to take. you got a box, special box over there with some extra models I in have there. So, I have a box sitting in front of me at the moment that I just got to flesh out that. Yep. I won't say what it is because I don't never tip my hand. people listening. I know. I, um, I have a history of never revealing what I'm taking generally to a tournament and yep. I always take a different fleet. Yeah. So I think I've played... We've five, six tournaments in the past three years, mm. and I've always taken a different fleet from a different faction. So it's my little challenge to myself to build something different. Um, you were thinking about taking your Indians again. I know, and I, I, Aaron, this is to you. I was feeling a little dirty. Mm. That's why I haven't done it. I will admit, if I'd taken them, it wouldn't have felt right. There you go. I've made a concession. I admit it. I'm not going to take the Indians because, yes, there is a lot of cheese in that list. Yeah, the Indian Raj, they're a good fleet. They are a very good fleet. It's just my advantage is I broke them mm. a little. So, yeah, so mm. it should be good fun. I'm looking forward to the tournament. We'll yeah. have um, hopefully a bunch of people up for that. And, yep. Yeah, if anyone's thinking about coming, we're very, very friendly. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, generally, there's some interesting events that always happen. Yeah, it's a great two days. Um, Shepherd, it's not that far from Melbourne. If you're in Melbourne, mm. um, come along. Yeah. So, yeah. 
All right, well, I think our hobby update that was going to be that quick sort of 30-minute has uh, spiraled sort of out, of out of control into an hour-long episode. Awesome. So we might wind it up here. I think that might be an idea. Uh, until next time, my name's Giles Pritchard. And I'm Quinton Sung. Uh, if you'd ever like to send in any questions or comments, then feel free to do so at onminisgamespodcast at gmail.com. There's also our guild on Board Game Geek. There is. And... Uh, I think that's about all. That's about all. Hmm. Until next time, see you then. Catch you then. You've been listening to On Minis Games. On Minis Games is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License.